Yesterday I was just in the new, I was just in the mood. I needed a fucking alcoholic beverage midday, so I made a little uh, screwdriver. Yeah. yeah, a little vodka OJ. It's pretty solid. Classic. Yeah, okay. it's got that orange juice sugar. Mm-hmm. I used to walk around my freshman year in college with my backpack. I had at always at least like eight of those little single serve orange juice things in there and a handle of vodka. I was just always in class. And walking between cla- like, like a hit always. and a hit or like a mix, mix. Yeah, like a mix so I'd, yeah I'd pour yeah. a little of the orange juice out of the single serve thing tip my handle in there and then I'd just walk around with that fucking orange juice thing all day every day it's great Welcome to your football fantasy. Oh, welcome back, you bunch of cunt scabs. We're here for another episode of your football fantasy. I am Dewey's Nuts. I'm your host. You know that already. The only other person in this room is my boy. This is Sparta! That's Bullfrog. <laughs> it's my favorite. It's my favorite line. The favorite thing you've said since you've been on this couch. Bullfrog, welcome back. What, how you feeling today? I'm here, buddy. Feeling good. Uh, for those of you uh, listening, just got on Twitter. Ladies Ooh, and gentlemen. Twi- you're, you're telling me people can follow you on Twitter? At YFF the Bullfrog. That's like your football fantasy, the Bullfrog. Check him out. Give him a follow. He's good. He hasn't posted anything yet. No tweets. Nope. He's going to get going. New if, to the game, guys. It's going to take me a little time to get warmed up here, but it, I'll get some stuff on there. If you've paid attention to the show at all, you know that he's got a notebook full of quality stats. Expect to see this shit dropping on your Twitter feed if you follow him. This is not something you're going to want to miss, people leading up to your fantasy draft. You can find me also on Twitter, at Nuts. All Z's, no S's there. Big Wiz refuses to join the digital age, so one day maybe. But for now, go find the two of us. You can also find us on Facebook, obviously. You can email us at uh, yourfootballfantasy at gmail.com. Find us on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe. Write some reviews so that we can read them on air. It's a rainy day around here. Just it's been a long days. week, man. Fuck. I feel the tightness in my shoulders. I could use a good rub down if, if you're up for it later. Oh, yeah. I got absolutely. some oil. I got some relaxing massaging oil. Where's the stairs. strong man from last time? Call him up. Ooh. <laughs> Oh, not tonight. No, Damn it's it. just I'm going to have to settle for Bullfrog's moderately strong hands. I'm working pretty well. Yeah, your left forearm seems to be a little bigger than your right. I like it both ways. Are you left-handed? No, but I do most. I play guitar lefty, shoot pool lefty. Ambidextrous, if you want to say. You just dropping that right in there. I play guitar. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to pick up the ladies on the show I right I strum <laughs> the chords on a guitar. Beautiful. We got. Uh, we have so fucking much to talk about this week. We, obviously, we're trying to get to our bust episode that we we didn't manage to get to last week, so we've got lots to get to there. But we're not we're not ready for that yet. We got to jump out and start with so much news. This week in football, lots of stuff happened. First off, the big news, we think about the big players, Le'Veon Bell doesn't get any bigger than that. He and the Pittsburgh Steelers failed to get a contract signed before the deadline came and went. 
So he's been franchise tagged again for the second consecutive year. Here's the contract he turned down. $70 million over five years with 32 of that guaranteed and $30 million just in the first two years of that deal. He turned that down. What's wrong with him? That's insane, guys. I, that's a lot of money. I don't think anybody's going to pay it to him next year either. I really I don't see who's going to do it. He's but. confident. This is him saying, look, I know that I can do it. I know I can do it again this year, and I know I can do it again next year. I'm going to earn that money somewhere else. And you know what? Good for him. It's a business. He's got to try to set himself and his family up for the rest of their lives. I guess go for it. So he's gonna he's set to make what like fourteen and a half million dollars this year on that franchise tag. Uh, just out of curiosity, I went ahead and looked up some of the other running back contracts. This was a shock to me. You know who's number two on the list of biggest paydays this year? I do. I read it. I read that article. Oh, let's pretend like you haven't read it. Oh, okay. Let me shock you. Jarek McKinnon. Oh, shit. Set to make $12 million this year with that big-ass contract in San Francisco. And the real big surprise, Rashad Penny's the number three highest paid running back in the year this year in total cash on his contract, making $6.5 million. Let's be clear. Let's do this one more time for you, okay? Fourteen and a half for Le'Veon Bell. At number one, twelve million for Jarek McKinnon at number two, and the number three, six million. And can I throw in a number five is Dion Lewis, oh. who might not even be the starter. Well, the money says he's going to be the yeah, starter. Well, exactly. Here's but, what I like to say about the money, right? If you're if you're paying a guy that much fucking money, you're gonna use him because otherwise it's throwing money down the drain. Where's Derrick Henry on that list? Let me just scroll down real quick. Still scrolling, still scrolling. Oh, he's not on the fucking list. I have no idea how much he's getting paid. Suck it, Wiz. Do you play the money or do you play the better players? I guess... Uh... Well, in the t- in the case of the Tennessee Titans running backs, it's, it's one and both, the same. Right? It's go. one and the same. Assholes. I know I didn't get any new Wiz drops, but he's still here with us. Yeah, so anyway, passed up a lot of money to make a lot of money, but only for this year. He is going to skip all of the offseason workouts. He's going to skip the preseason games like he did last year. And his he and his agent have come out and said, hey, this is going to be our last year in Pittsburgh. So first question for you, Bullfrog. He's skipping camp. What can fantasy owners expect? And what are you doing with Bell in your rankings as a result of him missing all of the offseason? Well, you know, last year he's he got off to a slow start. I I would assume he does that again this year. Uh, as far as rankings go, I don't think you can really move him. Again, fantasy football is a season long uh, it's a season long game. I think you got to take him. I mean, again, if you don't want to take him number one overall, you feel like David Johnson or Todd Gurley is more deserving, then great. But he's still a top three pick. If you're drafting Le'Veon Bell, you understand that at this point he, you know, he may not have a. The first two games may not be huge for you. You might get 12 or 15 points, but you're going to get plenty of 30 point games after that. But yes, do expect that slow start. If you're not drafting Le'Veon Bell this year, and somebody else who maybe doesn't have the experience, maybe doesn't have a lot of uh, resources that they reach out to and just kind of play by the gut, maybe you try to trade for Le'Veon Bell after the first couple of weeks when he has a bad bad start to the season yeah, somebody might freak out on you i don't know probably not gonna happen uh i don't know your league though so who knows the other question i have for you is this you know wiz and i are just now in a dynasty league i don't think you've ever played in a dynasty league i've also been in a keeper league that's my home league's a keeper league so what kind of 
hit to Le'Veon Bell's value is going to be coming as a result of this move. You know, we know he's not going to be on this Pittsburgh Steelers team next year, which has been a top two or three offense for pretty much every year he's been there. We don't know where he's going to land. If you were playing in a dynasty league or if you were thinking about, you know, your keeper league where you've, you've had Le'Veon Bell for a while, are you concerned at all? Would you be concerned? Would you, are, are you thinking about moving him in your rankings for a dynasty purpose? I mean, I think the skill set is still there for Le'Veon Bell. So I don't, man, that's a tough question. I th- it, a lot of it's a wait and see, you know, to where he does end up. You know, maybe he's a smart guy and he's going to go to a high-powered offense or maybe he's really going to chase the money because that's what it certainly seems like he wants is the money. So if he ends up going to some shit squad, you know, then maybe it will have a a bigger impact than we think. But Yeah, you were saying just before we got started, like the thing that you like best is uh, predictability, consistency, that sort of thing. If, I, if I'm thinking dynasty and I'm going to try to have this guy on my team for the next four years... There's zero, we have no idea. There's zero predictability. Who knows who's going to sign him? Likely the team that has the biggest room in their cap, somebody like the New York Jets. It's likely going to be a shitty team that has the best uh, pocketbook anyway to sign him. So who knows? I might be a little bit more nervous if I were in a dynasty league with Le'Veon Bell. I might avoid him a little bit just because there's, we have no fucking clue. Yeah. But we're not talking dynasty today, so uh, who cares? The last question I have for you, what are you doing with James Conner? Well, unless he's the long-lost brother of John Conner and he's going to save our earth, (laughs) I'm not doing a damn fucking thing with him. Look, James Conner, last year, everybody was talking about he's the handcuff to own. I don't think Le'Veon Bell misses any time. He's not the type of running back that gets injured because of the way he runs. But again, if you're in a dynasty league and you... for some crazy happenstance, have the opportunity to pick James Conner up on your roster, trade for him, you got to think that that's worth doing. Because he is going to step into this role next year, provided Big Ben sticks around for another year, that has been established as one of the premier workhorse roles in all of the NFL. For me, I am buying James Conner everywhere I can in, in Dynasty or Keeper Leagues. So I can stash him on my roster. You're saying no. You got any knowledge on his draft status? Was he an early, late round guy? Out of where? Any? Where do you play him? Like Pitt? Should have looked it up before the show so yeah, we seem more professional. It. I didn't know you were going to be so interested in him. I, Of course I'm interested. I started playing Dynasty this year. I did dabble a little bit immediately with the uh, James Conner owner in my league, and he was not at all interested in any, any Good kind call, of Good call, Pittsburgh. Uh, third round. See? See? That's when they yeah. had Le'Veon Bell, they drafted him. All right, let's move on because we have lots more news to talk about. Remember when I just said that Le'Veon Bell turned down a five-year, $70 million contract, which would have been an absolute historic contract for running backs in the NFL? Well, Brandon Cooks just got himself a brand-new contract in L.A. He's going to be making $81 million over that same five-year deal. Now, I will admit that since he was signed, I've been a little bit anti-Brandon Cooks. Uh, I, I still kind of think some of the guys that are on that roster are going to have better opportunities than him. I think he's going to... I've thought all along he was going to take a dip in production. But if we're talking about, hey, follow the money, the team, the guys that the team pays for are going to be the guys that get the opportunity. you got to like Cooks here. Are you sold on Brandon Cooks as a stud wide receiver one in the NFL and in fantasy football after a contract like that? 
Nope. What's he gonna? He's gonna end up somewhere. I think in about the five, four, five, six hole for this season wide receiver earnings. I mean, I like Brandon Cooks. I've had him before on my roster. Um, I don't know if I'd be that happy if he was my number one receiver. <sighs> he seems like a best ball guy. He doesn't. I don't know. I he mean, put I up like, wide receiver like one numbers last year for fantasy football. He did well. I've got him ranked. I had him ranked prior to this contract signing at 17. I will probably go back and look at giving him giving him some more targets next year because of this. Because, again, the way I look at it is, look, if a team wants to pay this guy, you got to imagine that management and ownership are going to pressure the coach to give him the opportunity because otherwise you're just throwing your money away. Yeah, but- I think he's a very good, very good, talented receiver. I just don't have him as an elite playmaker type. Yeah, I had him go from I had him at one hundred and seventeen targets here. My guess after I take a look at this again is he'll probably be more like one thirty to one thirty five targets, which that's gonna that's gonna bump him up into the top twelve for me. I'll bet. Yeah, and first year with a new team, you know, does a guy like that just jump right up into your number one target guy? I mean, he probably will end up the season as your number one target guy for the Rams, but. Yeah, I think... You I, know, I don't know. We'll see how he gels together with, you know, with Goff. With Mr. Goff, yeah. yeah. I like the money. I think I'll probably move him around a little bit. I still, I'm still, i still not drafting him anywhere near where he's going because, to me, I, I same, just like you. I don't see him as somebody who should be the number one on my team. All right, next news. Ricky Seals-Jones. You mentioned him, what, last week? Maybe two weeks ago? Tied in for the Cardinals. I'll tell you what, lately, man, people have been talking about this kid. Uh, you talked about him last week. I believe you took him in a best ball draft just a couple of days ago. No, I think we were talking about. I was talking about him during that best ball draft, but you talked me out of it. Well, good because he was just arrested yeah, for, for assault, that. disorderly conduct, and criminal trespassing. Who knows what's going to happen in that case? But you know that's going to take. Give, he's going to take a hit. Maybe some suspensions coming. Do we care anything about Ricky Seals Jones? No, I mean, I think they brought in Jermaine Gresham in the offseason, didn't they, the Cardinals? Oh, I don't know, did they? I'm pretty sure. To me, Ricky Seals-Jones was one of those guys that was starting to creep up as a potential sleeper at tight end that somebody might be able to try to get after those top five, three or four guys are gone. But who, who fucking cares? Big fucking shock. Another NFL player got arrested for something stupid. Kenneth Dixon this is a running back for Baltimore. His health has been up in the air since he's gotten into the league. He managed to avoid the pup, which was a surprise. Most people thought he was going to end up on the physically unable to perform list to start the season, but he's not. He's going into camp this year, and they're expecting that he's going to be able to play come week one. He's, this is a guy who's he's a, he's an absolute asshole. His character is just garbage, but the Baltimore Ravens took him anyway, knowing that, and they've loved him ever since. They talk about him all the fucking time. I know that you're kind of high on Alex Collins this year, what are you thinking about Kenneth Dixon coming in? Is this a concern for you? Do you think he's going to take some touches away? Yeah, it is a concern. I still think Collins gets the. I think Collins gets the chance to be the lead dog, so it's really going to be up to him to you know run away with that. Uh, and if he underperforms, and you got guys like Dixon and fucking uh, Al Buck Allen, you know, right there to steal shit from him. But I, I do firmly believe that Alex Collins is going to get the opportunity. To be the twenty touch guy game, uh, and he, I mean, he put up four point six a carry last year. Yeah. So that's not to mention that Kenneth Dixon's been in the year two leagues. He tore his ACL in two thousand sixteen, and he tore his meniscus last year. So who cares that he's not on the pup list? 
he'll get on the field one play at training camp and blow something out, right? Yeah. I mean, as a pro athlete, you, you wonder if those type of injuries have any impact on your confidence oh. and just the trust that you have in your own body. As a running know? back who relies yeah. on those knees to cut her, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You'd think it would, but what do I know? Uh, you're certainly not a pro athlete. I've no. seen you play badminton. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> All right, C.J. Anderson. He is going to get the start. He is officially the starting running back for the Carolina Panthers. I'm not surprised by this. Are you surprised by this? No. That's just that's that's their offense. Their offense is not a scat back leading, you know, leading in carries. They need a pound and ground guy. Yeah, North Turner comes in and they want to be able to run the play action pass. You can't really do that with Christian McCaffrey playing playing tricky roles. When CJ Anderson first went to Carolina, Wiz and I talked about this a little bit because McCaffrey's on our dynasty team. Um, I said that I think this was a good thing for McCaffrey. If somebody else takes the bulk of the carries, it keeps McCaffrey and his small little body healthy longer. So I'm happy to see that C.J. Anderson is taking over the starting role there. I'm happy to see the team come out and say uh, McCaffrey's touch count is not going to go up that much because I think that keeps him healthy and allows him uh, to do what he did last year, which was ended in the top, as a top 10 PPR running back with with 117 carries or whatever it was last year. So for me, good. Yes, good. Yeah, I think I think he'll be fine. I think he actually does get more carries this year, and I think his yard per carry is going to go up. I mean, it was like two point something. It was it has three point seven. It was yeah. fucking terrible. You know, as a rookie running back, I think a lot of that probably just goes to that the speed of the game, the size, and I think a year in, I think I think he'll do a better job running the ball. He bulked you know, up some. Yeah, give him some more carries there. Give him a better yard per carry. Give him a couple more touchdowns on the ground. Receiving wise, you know, he had 80 catches. I don't see him doing any better than 90. So he goes up a few, probably picks up some more yards there as well. Uh, I got him at 117 carries, 113 targets, and 10 total touchdowns this year. I love him. Those are good numbers. Uh, that's yeah, a, they're perfect numbers. That's they're, an RB1 2 right there. They're exact. No, that's why we drafted him with our first pick in our dynasty. It wasn't until. Can't wait for that results show in January. It's going to be clutch, baby. <laughs> that's going to take we may not five a, episodes. We may not. A, we have a lot of shots. I think we got some bets on these things. Shane Vereen was signed to the New Orleans Saints. My first reaction was obviously this is a depth move. But look, Shane Vereen, when he's played, he's performed pretty well. He's a pass-catching guy, right? 40 receptions four times in his career. He's averaged about four targets per game. Do you think he's going to eat into Kamara's uh, work at all? No, no, no concern. Kamara's going to get what he gets. You know, Peyton's a smart guy. You're right. Andrew Luck is cleared to participate in camp. They said no restrictions, and the very next sentence says, we won't let him throw for seven days in a row just yet. They're gonna have they're gonna have fucking pitch counts on this guy every practice. You said if I said we go he wasn't back, gonna play the whole he's season. not gonna start the season game one. Nope. You ready to put a bet on that yet? You got a long way for some something to pop up: inflammation, soreness. Yeah, you ready to put a bet on that? Uh, yes, yes. It's a bet! Yay! Oh, week one bet. Does Andrew Luck start week one? Even if it's just one play, I win that shit. <laughs> Here's some other guys that are cleared full go for training camp. Deshaun Watson, we were a little concerned. We didn't really know if his knee was right yet. Allen Robinson, same thing. Uh, Randall Cobb has lost his walking boot. I believe you expected that to happen. And Marlon Mack is a total clear to go. We'll see. I don't know if Marlon Mack is going to be the starter on that team yet. But these guys are cleared to go for camp, which is good things for all of them. 
Uh, as particularly to me, this that Sean Watson thing, we just didn't know. We know he's young, and he was probably going to bounce back pretty quickly. But uh, there he is. All right, that's the news. There was a lot of it, but uh, there's more to talk about. And now for more dumb shit I heard this week. Okay, for the second time in a row, I came from North Carolina. I lived there for a while. Shout out to all my Tar Heels out there. Anyway, there was a bill proposed by the North Carolina legislature that was meant to close a loophole. And for the second time in a row, as as soon as it was brought up, it was shot down. Let me tell you what this loophole is that the North Carolina legislature refuses to close. Okay? It's regarding rape. Here's what the law says right now in North Carolina. If you start fucking a girl, and once you penetrate, okay, if she says, I'm no longer into this, I need you to stop, the law in North Carolina says if you've entered, you're allowed to finish. Oh, wow. Regardless of what she says or does. That's some hillbilly shit right And there. the fucking legislature, every time somebody puts up a bill just to close that loophole only, shoots it down immediately. They won't even allow a vote to go through. Wow. What is wrong with the goddamn state of North Carolina? It sounds like a fucking bunch of hillbillies. Jesus, I Hillbilly politicians down there. How tempted are you to, like, once you enter her, like, burn her with a lighter or punch her in the fucking nose just to... It was the bucking bronco, right? You once jump on in. the back. Once you're and, in, you're in. God. Can't, can't stop it, no. That's great. That's fucking terrible. North Carolina. Here's one. Forbes magazine releases uh, their their issue here recently talking about Kylie Jenner's $900 million. And immediately one of her fans starts a GoFundMe page to raise the last $100 million to make her the youngest quote-unquote self-made billionaire in the world. Here's the Let me read to you exactly what this thing says because it just speaks to how fucking stupid people are. Here's the quote from the GoFundMe page. It says, Kylie Jenner was on the cover of Forbes magazine today for having a net worth of $900 million, which is heartbreaking. I don't want to live in a world where Kylie Jenner doesn't have a billion dollars. All caps. We must raise $100 million to help her get a billion. Please spread the word. This is extremely important. That's what this guy wrote. To date, 154 people have donated money it's like 3000 bucks, but what the fuck is wrong with the world we live in, Bullfrog? Why is this happening? <laughs> I don't even want to live in this world where that shit happens. We, but we do! It's fucking disturbing. This is extremely important. That's why I'm going to spend more time on fantasy football. Fuck this shit. My Can God, the world Kardashians is, the world is ridiculous. And, holy shit. Just ridiculous. Hey, we got some listener mail. Yep, come on. Here's the mail, it never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. We got an email from a fan. Oh, thank you, fans. You know we love to help you win your fantasy football leagues. Here's the email in its entirety from a guy named J-Rod. Or Jared? J-Rod? I don't know. He says, you guys keep talking about players from good offenses, but they're not all good. And eventually, every team has players that will be owned, whatever, in your fantasy league, right? So the question is, what shitty offenses are most likely to produce fantasy players worth owning? And who 
are those players. J-Rod here is right. You can't only pick players from good teams. So which bad teams are you looking at player fantasy players from? I'm going to give you my stats to start with. All right, so this 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 coincides with top scoring offenses and the positions of top rankings and how they play out. So, for example, this is a this is research over the last six seasons on a point per game basis, and players had to have played four games in order to qualify for this for the stats. So, running back first, pretty popular position here early on in drafts. Top twelve scoring offenses produce. 75% of top six running backs. Last season, it was five of the top six. The one outlier, Ezekiel Elliott. Dallas offense was not a top 12 scoring offense, and Ezekiel Elliott finished as a top top six running back. Over the last six years, that's 36 running backs. Three of them came from bottom 10 offenses. So if you're looking for a running back, look for a running back from a top offense. That would be my recommendation. Wow. So when you're asked the question about who we taking from shitty teams, the answer is... Nobody. Well, that's coming up shortly. Okay. Let's jump to quarterbacks next. In the last six seasons, no quarterback has been able to finish top six with a bottom 10 offense. 28 of the 36 quarterbacks... On top six offenses. So if you look at the top six offenses over the last six years, 28 of those quarterbacks finished as top 12 quarterbacks. The last one, and at least, well, tight end's kind of just going to throw those fuckers in the trash. Always take, throw the take tight ends in the trash. Take whoever you want, tight end. Anybody so the, you want. The last and least important of the bunch here Except is your don't wide take Ricky receiver core. Because he's in jail. Yeah. My there's God. always going to be some of those guys, too. But. Go ahead. So again, the wide receiving core is not nearly as reliant on the high-scoring offense as running backs and quarterbacks. About 52.8% of the top six wide receivers come from top 12 scoring offenses. So again, only half come from the top 12. Uh, you know That means the other half is coming from the bottom 30. Ultimately, with wide receivers, you do 20. want to avoid... Bottom, the, bottom you, 20, math teacher. Isn't that what I said, 20? You what said, did I say? You said oh, 30. 30. Whoops. Ah, too many drinks already. Math Sorry, teacher, folks. Go you ahead. You still want to avoid the top, the bottom 10 scoring offenses. Over the last six years, only 14 of the last 108 top 12 receivers has come from a bottom 10 scoring offense. So, again, if you are looking for late round picks and you need to fill some spots and you need some wide receiver spots, you know, go ahead and snag a couple of those from shitty teams. They can potentially still finish high for you, but, but if you had to make a pick, if you needed, if you were desperate for a running back with your eighth pick or your twelfth pick, find the second or third guy on a high scoring offense and hope you know hope he pans out because if he's on a shitty offense again, you can't predict, but you should have a pretty good idea when the season starts what offenses are going to be just god awful. It's great. It's great stuff. I mean, we talk about probability. That's all we can do is play. What is the most likely thing to happen here? And all this stuff pretty much tells us is, yes, we want the top-scoring offenses, which is what we've been saying along. But more importantly to me, like, you're fucked if your guys are on the bottom bottom 10 scoring offenses. What was it, 14 out of 108 wide receivers, for fuck's sake? That's terrible. So, I think think J-Rod, what he's trying to tell you is, no shitty team is going to have any good fantasy players. But I, I... 
I'm gonna answer your question anyway. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a slightly different slant on it here, buddy. Um, I'm gonna I'm I'm looking at teams that finished very badly last year offensively, or very badly last year as far as their record, and which of those teams I'm looking at fantasy players from doing well this year. That might mean that whole offense is going to turn around and and bump themselves out of the bottom 10 offenses. And the first one that jumps to mind, and we've talked about this this offense before, is uh, the New York Giants. That offense is going to improve this year for sure from where they were last year. Their offense was terrible. A big part of that was the offensive line, but they made some moves, right? They drafted a guy. They went and got Nate Solder. They were 26th, their offensive line was last year. That has to improve. They went and got get that young kid from Jacksonville. I can't say what his name is because I don't know it. Um, obviously Saquon Barkley comes in as a running back who everybody thinks is going to own the entire universe by the end of the season this year. Odell Beckham Jr. is somebody that everybody wants on their team. Eli Manning, we talked about last week, is likely to have a nice bounce back year. Uh, that's a team that finished poorly last year and the offense played like shit last year, but I want pieces on that offense on my fantasy roster. You got another one? I went to just more of projected shitty offenses, what what pieces might be there. Again, the Browns are projected to be a pretty shitty offense. I don't know if that's going to be true or not, but I definitely think you could find a couple, you know, a couple wide receivers. The running back, that is going to be a tough spot with three guys. You know, that's going to be a real tough spot to get value out of all three of those guys. I'll tell you what, though. One of those, I, I would imagine that one of those running backs ends up doing just fine. Yeah. I, which I, one is the question? Yeah, you might get one of those guys in the top... 20? I know which Maybe one. Maybe push top 15. But I know which one the answer is. You, and I said like this the, the other day. You like the Duke. I said, I said Duke Johnson is going to be the one to own here. And that's not to say he's the best running back on that team. But Carlos Hyde and Nick Chubb do the same thing. And they're going to cancel each other out. Carlos Hyde's going to spend the first half of the season as a starter. Nick Chubb's going to spend the second half of the season as a starter. Duke Johnson is going to start week 1 to week 17 in his role, to me, that's why why I own him. But you're, you're not wrong about the Browns. they got a lot of pieces. Yeah. This offseason was huge for them. Jarvis Landry, Tyrod Taylor, Josh Gordon, who I hate, but hey, still might end up doing well. And just real quick, a couple others. The Broncos, uh, you know, might be a two-headed monster at running back as well, but you should get some stuff out of the receiving core. The yeah. Ravens, again, they got a lot of running backs. I like Alex Collins. I like Michael Crabtree. The Cardinals, you know, David Johnson is going to be a top three pick. Larry Fitzgerald's going to go high, but their offense is projected to be pretty shitty this year. Josh like, Rosen. If you remember back in 2016, the Cardinals offense finished, I think it was seventh overall in scoring, and he was the number one running back. But now you're looking at a team that might struggle to be a top 20 scoring mm. offense. So Might win five games, how's maybe. That gonna, you know, if you follow my statistics that I just went over, you know, he's fighting an uphill battle to finish as a top six running back. And the same thing holds true for Ezekiel Elliott. You know, their offense is projected to be a – a bottom 10, and again, he was the the lone outlier last year, even with a shortened season, on, on a points-per-game basis, so that the, the games he missed didn't really hurt him. You got a couple outliers there if you think Elliott and uh, Johnson will finish in the top six, which they are certainly capable of, but if your offense is shitty, you know, probability and percentages says it's uh, less likely to occur. Not that likely. The only team we haven't mentioned here that I think really is worth, worth mentioning is the Colts. They finished at the bottom, but it was... It was because luck was not there, and if he's back, then they're immediately popped back up to where they were before. So if you want to consider them a shitty offense from last year, which they were, that's a team that's going to come back. You know, I don't know. We tried a couple of angles to answer your question, J-Rod. I hope hope it worked. Uh, Bullfrog kind of got me hard with these statistical uh, breakdowns here. That made me happy. 
There you go. That's your answer. I do I what I can. Next, uh, next week, we're looking for some more listener questions, guys. Email us. Tweet us. Tweet Bullfrog at YFF the Bullfrog and let him know what you want to know. He'll do as much research as he did for this fucking question for yours. Hey guys, what I'm really excited about is getting some questions about your draft picks. Ooh. You know, if you know you're locked into the seven hole or the two hole or the ten hole or the twelve hole, you know, I, I pff, throw some of those at us. See, see what we think. You know, yeah. Doesn't mean you have to listen to us, but get some, get some insight, get some stats. We spend a lot of time researching this stuff for you guys, so might as well use our time instead of yours. Exactly. All right. Big Wiz and his stat of the week. I'm gonna re-record that with uh, Bullfrog in there. Yeah, after a two a two week hiatus, I think uh, I've. I've Clearly taking the job from the big whiz. This stat is going to either make or break you, so I hope it's really fucking good. All right, here we go. Only player with more 50-yard receiving touchdowns than Brandon Cooks in the last three seasons is... I've got two guesses, and I don't think either of them are right. Marvin Jones and Doug Baldwin would be my two guesses. Uh, neither one of those are right, Dewey's Nuts, you fucking tard. I believe you meant to say neither one of those is... Uh, I'm not an English major. Maybe you are, listeners. Maybe this guy is over here. I certainly was. It's not my area of expertise. I'm sure you've noticed already. Uh, The other guess I've got is Tyreek Hill. Wow, you're terrible. My last guess is Odell Beckham Jr.? Odell Beckham Jr. Even after only playing, what, one game last year? That did take a long time to get that right, and I should have gotten it much quicker. Eight touchdowns of 50 yards or more in the last three seasons. How many does Brandon Cooks have? Cooks has seven. Damn. So, Cooks, this, this is actually a really good staff for my hometown league, which you get a yard, you get a bonus for the length of a touchdown. So, for example, a 50-yard score would be worth 11 points. Six plus the five from the 50. That's a big hit in that league, so those are the big dogs right there. Brandon, Brandon Cooks, Cooks and man. Odell Beckham. 50 yards, that's a that's a big score. You might be right about me sucking off. No, come on. I, I like I like pussy. <laughs> I, I, think it tastes some, good. I think it tastes good. Maybe you're like know. one of those pansexuals. My favorite meal. What the fuck is a pan... <laughs> what the fuck is a pansexual? I don't know. I had to Google it the other day. Somebody was talking about, oh. Why well, are you why Googling... <laughs> I want to look at your goddamn Google history. I'm going to tweet out your Google history. My wife so and I, you know, it. we watch a little Big Brother. Okay. And there's a pansexual Apparently, yeah, Big some girl on there, she's a pansexual. So I was like, what the fuck does pansexual mean? So I had to Google that. and It's very similar to a bi- bisexual, but it doesn't matter if they have a cock and balls or a vagina, a pussy. Dude, yeah, none it, of the it matters because... Bo- well, not for a pansexual. They you just, don't do the same thing you do with a cock as you do with a pussy. Uh, you do different no, no, things. No, it's all about just the attraction, and you know it doesn't matter what they are, who they are. Jesus Christ. Anyway. So let's have a shot, sir. Then we'll get into our bus. Mm. <coughs> yeah! Big red in a cup. You, <laughs> you ready to talk busts? Are we continuing on our... Little preview pick from last week. Yeah, we're gonna continue from last week. We gave you a preview of some of our busts. We're just gonna pick one player from each position that was either that either finished really high last year or is going really high this year that we think is going to disappoint. I want to be perfectly clear about this bit at the beginning, though. If we say somebody's a bust, that doesn't necessarily mean they're gonna finish quarterback forty. Okay. 
That just means that based on where they're going now and based on what your expectations might be for this guy, you're going to be let down. Okay, so like I mentioned last week, Cam Newton is my bust quarterback. If if you expect him to finish top eight, he's going to let you down. But that doesn't mean he's going to be the 29th quarterback. He still may finish in the top 15 and be just fine for you. Okay. Let's jump out of the gates here and go quarterback, and I will continue my argument against Cam Newton this year. I think he's going to be your bust. Like I said last week, he's go. Last year he finished as the quarterback two. Uh, last uh, this year he's going as the quarterback seven, but he's still not worth it as the quarterback seven. I've got him finishing uh, outside the top twelve in quarterbacks this year. I think maybe eleven. I don't remember. I don't care. Uh, Last year, my preview was about Norv Turner, and I want to continue that conversation here. Norv Turner and his quarterbacks. This guy's been coaching in the league for 27 years, and he's coached something like 50 different quarterbacks uh, in all of that time. And I mentioned last week, he doesn't utilize the rushing quarterback one time in 27 years Has he had a quarterback go over 50 carries. That was Doug Flutie in 2000. You remember Doug Flutie? Talk about a fun guy to watch play the game. All of the quarterbacks that have ever played with him over 27 years, they average 21 carries per year. I'm telling you about this number because the big argument for Cam is that he gets a lot of his points rushing, and we like it because he gets a lot of rushing yards, a lot of rushing touchdowns, that sort of thing. But North Turner's running quarterbacks average 21 carries per year. Cam Newton averaged previously... 123 carries per year so far in his career. Let me give you a frame of reference relative to that 21 carries per year. When you think about quarterbacks that don't run the ball, one of the first one that comes to my mind is Tom Brady. Tom Brady, over the course of his career, averages 35 carries a year, which is 14 more than all of the quarterbacks that have played under Norv Turner over the course of his 27-year coaching career. Those numbers tell me that we can expect Cam's rushing totals to come down, his carry number to come down. Will it be at 21? Absolutely not. Norv Turner had plenty of 40-some carry guys, uh, but it's not going to be 123. It's not going to be 130 because it's not the offense that Norv Turner runs. Cam Newton has been an absolute outlier in all rushing statistics for quarterbacks in and over the course of his career thus far. I think the North Turner hire means those numbers come down. He runs the ball less, and as he runs the ball less, his fantasy numbers come down. North Turner runs the Eric Coriel offense as an offense based on the play-action pass and the deep ball. You cannot run play-action if you're not handing the ball off. So expect more of the percentage of the rushes to go to the running backs. You know, Turner in general doesn't run the ball a whole lot. I think the highest percentage of run plays called by a Norv Turner offense over the course of that 27 years was 42%. Uh, He averages more like 40, 39%. So forget about those design carries to Cam. I think Cam lets you down if you're expecting a top eight finish. You know, a lot of the a lot of the early season projections got Jimmy Garoppolo finishing as a top ten quarterback. It's a beautiful man. I'm not buying it. A couple things that stand out to me is one, five game sample. He was coming in starting games with not a whole lot of film to study. You know, these coaches these days, these defensive 
units. There's, these guys are probably studying films from seasons. Seasons. And you got a game or two to watch film on a guy. So I think that was to his advantage last year. And I think this year uh, teams are going to have a little more preparatory work going in on this guy. And uh, I think he's going to have a little tougher time in that aspect. He's got a tough schedule. Again, that's you know early season strength of schedule is what it is. But as of right now, it's the 25th toughest quarterback schedule. He does not provide you with any running statistics. His receiving core, in my eyes, God, uh, I would have to put him in the bottom 10. Maybe even lower. Wow. What? Pierre Garçon, Goodwin. Marquise Goodwin. Come on. Who? Garçon's awesome. Come on. Put put Garçon on a different team. Where are you putting him at? I think Garçon is a top how 24 many? receiver on it, regardless of teams. So how He's many are you going to put him as a number one wide receiver on how many teams? Would he take over as number one receiver? Not many. I'd say a good 12, 13 teams. Ah, I'm not even buying that. Mm-hmm. Goodwin, his catch rate was, well, I next, think I went over this earlier. Next week I'll give you the list. On an earlier episode, his catch rate was just maybe barely 50%. I just don't buy Jimmy G this year. I mean, Richard Sherman, I think, already came out in the OTA saying that he had a read on Garoppolo and that, you know, he was easy to pick off and read out of the out of the defensive backfield. We will see, but that's just my insight on a guy going as a top 10 quarterback. There's a lot of veteran guys out there. Philip Rivers ADP is always in the teens, and he's repeatedly finishing as a top 10 guy, 4,000 yards, 25 touchdowns for like six seasons in a row. You know, I'd much rather have a guy like that than Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't even think he's got that high of a, a ceiling, personally, with that receiving core, with no ground statistics. In my eyes, he's a low ceiling, low floor guy. I got him finishing at quarterback 15, and you're not wrong. Phillip Rivers is is definitely a guy you draft ahead of him. I think I think Wiz had him going really high. I do like Jimmy GQ a little more than you. I'm curious. I'm looking up where he's actually going in ADP right now. Do you Number know where that is? Number nine quarterback is what I had him on. Number nine quarterback. That's why I picked him. You look, at, you look like, yeah, number nine quarterback right now. Okay, good pick. Feels like a cop-out pick. Next to my uh, Cam Newton, but that's okay. Well, you're wrong on Cam, so we're just going to leave it oh, at this. Oh, let's, so let's move on. Let's move to the running back position. Do you want to start us off here? Go ahead. I know we know what you want to say about your, the running back. You you previewed him last week. Tell us why Kareem Hunt is not worth the draft pick. Okay. So where do I begin? Well, I gave you the statistics already that top six running backs rarely come from bottom ten offenses. You know, in many eyes, Kansas City Chiefs may be close to a bottom 10 offense. I feel like the only eyes you're talking about are yours. (laughs) I know how you feel about Mahomes. These are pretty important eyes. We'll just leave it at that. They are uh, beautiful eyes. You know, even last year, uh, I think I gave you Elliott was the one running back from a lower tier offense that finished in the top six. Even top 10 offense or top 10 running backs, there was a couple more that finished on shitty offenses. That was Shady, McCoy, and Howard. You know, they were top 10 guys, so it's not impossible. Um, I see Andy Reid over his career is kind of a a 60-30-10 split kind of coach. Last year, he just had no one else to give touches to. Once Ware went down, their backup was, was it Hakeem? No, it was a Sharknado. It was Sharknado. Oh, yeah, Sharkandrick West and... Akeem, Kadeem Hunter, Akeem, Akeem, Akeem whatever, Hunt. the other Hunter. He guy. doesn't play in the NFL anymore. 
So I think that's another thing. I think Spencer Ware gets a lot more touches. Um, Mahomes, basically a rookie quarterback coming in. You got to think defenses are going to make make Kansas City beat you through the air. Again, maybe that adds to his receiving catches stats a little bit. Um, I already talked about last year how he had a big streak with no touchdowns. Kareem Hunt had the 12th most attempts inside the 10. The 23rd most attempts inside the 5 at only 6 carries. Kareem Hunt was given 6 carries inside the 5-yard line. That's a concern to me. The rest of the team, Anthony Sherman had 2 and Alex Smith had 1. As a team, Andy Reid chose to run the ball nine fucking times inside the five-yard line. It's not real good. As a team. And we, we know Andy Reid sucks. So then we say, all right, was that a fluke? Was it just a scenario? They never got inside the five? Well, 2016. Ware led the team with nine carries inside the five. Sharkandrick West had four. The league leaders in this statistic have in the 20s or high teens, your Le'Veon Bells, your Todd Gurley's, those guys are getting close to 20 carries inside the five. They're getting more opportunities to punch it in from those short distances. I just don't think Andy Reid's the guy that like, that trusts that one, two, three-yard goal line carry. So to me, if you're drafting a lead dog back in the first round, the guy's got to be the guy that's going to punch it in from those short range. I don't know. I just see him regressing a little bit this year. I see him carry, spreading the carries around a little bit. He's going as a first-round running back. That's too high. If you could get him in the second round, take him. There's there's a handful of guys I'd rather have above Hunt. Saquon Barkley, Melvin Gordon, Delvin Cook, probably Leonard Fournette. I would rather have any of those guys over Kareem Hunt. And because his ADP is so high to me, I'm giving him a little bit of a bus call. Just very briefly, sure. I know we're not supposed to do this, but I'd like to yeah, come yeah, to the defense of my boy, like I did last week, Kareem Hunt. The, the, I will say that this five inside the five-yard statistic is both surprising and probably holds some water. We agree that Andy Reid is a shitty play-calling coach, and he should definitely pass off the play-calling to somebody else, anybody else on that team. But Kareem Hunt, I think his talent wins out. You say he only touched the ball six times inside the five-yard line. He had eight touchdowns on the year, so he manages to score even from outside the five. He had the most broken tackles, the most evaded tackles, the second-highest juke rate on the year, and the most yards created after a defender was within one yard of him on the year last year. The thing about the thing about running backs is there's just a small handful of guys in my eyes that their talent trumps all other aspects on the team, be it the coach, be it the opportunity, be it the other guys in the backfield. It's their talent that will carry them. There aren't very many of these guys, but I see Kareem Hunt as one of those guys. But I, I understand your concerns there. I disagree with them, but it happens. You said, interestingly enough, that you'd rather maybe rather have Fournette on your team than Kareem Hunt. Leonard Fournette is my bust in the running back category here. He finished last year as a running back nine. He's going as a running back seven in ADP this year. I have two reasons why I think Leonard Fournette will bust. I will concede that their offensive line got real. They they signed the best offensive lineman in the league this year. Okay, Their offensive line improved significantly this year. The offense itself is 
slated to still be a pretty good offense this year, and we like, as you said earlier, running backs on good offenses. But Leonard Fournette is an injury risk. Number one reason. Sportsinjurypredictor.com website ranks him as a medium risk guy, right? So far in his late collegiate and early NFL career, he's had two sprained ankles, three foot injuries, three knee injuries. That's over the course of the last two and a half seasons. He is the fifth most likely running back to get injured this year, according to that same website. 65.2% chance that he will miss at least three games this year. That's a 65% chance that he will miss at least three games. According to this one website, I know it's really hard to predict injuries, but the type of injury he has, all lower body injuries over the past two and a half seasons, say, you know, those are the types of injuries you get concerned about for running backs. He had a hard time coming back last year from his injuries. He did come back, but he was on a snap count uh, by the by the coaching staff, and, you know, they were concerned. I think I think they stay concerned a little bit, and this leads into my second point. This team has options at the running back position. Not only do they have options at the running back position, but they have a great tight end. They have a quarterback that can get it done. They have the probably the deepest wide receiving core in the league, if certainly not the most talented, but the deepest with five, six guys. That could be their number one. Uh, I think TJ Yeldon and Corey Grant are two big reasons why Leonard Fournette's numbers disappoint this year. Chris Ivory last year, he had 133 carries last year. Those are all vacated. I don't see those all going to Leonard Fournette, a guy who the coaching staff well knows that he's an injury risk. I think those are going to be split up between Yeldon and Grant, maybe even more of those. TJ Yeldon last year carried the ball uh, quite a quite a few times, and he ended at 5.2 yards per carry last year, which is fucking insane. Leonard Fournette came out this week and said he wanted to increase his. I think he was at 4.6 last year, which was pretty good, but 5.2 was great. He had Yeldon did 41 targets last year in just the 10 games he played, so he's obviously an ex, uh, he's he's shown the coaching staff that he can catch the ball coming out of the backfield. That's a role that I think he continues to have moving forward, which means he's going to take I think some of Fournette's third down roles away. I know Wiz told us a couple of weeks ago that Fournette ended top 10 in PPR 10 times or something last year, so he caught the ball a lot. I expect Yeldon to take more of that work away as the coaching staff tries to keep Fournette healthy over the course of this season. And then there's this Grant kid. The coaching staff has come out very clearly and said, we like this guy. We think he's pretty damn good. We need to get him the ball more. He's explosive when he touches the ball. He ended the year with 6.1 yards per carry, the highest on the team. In fact, Leonard Fournette last year was the lowest yards per touch guy on the team last year I think these other two guys come in and establish themselves as guys that deserve to get the ball do get the ball and I think a big part of that is because the coaching staff doesn't want Fournette to miss time so over the first half of the year first two-thirds of the year while they're still establishing whether or not they're going to be a playoff run team I think Fournette gets the ball less Maybe there in the end when they're making their run, making their push toward the playoffs, Fournette gets the ball a little more. So he might be a nice playoff guy. But I think at ADP 7 this year, he disappoints relative to guys like Kareem Hunt, relative to guys like Dalvin Cook, all guys that are going around where he's going that I just think are better options for you. I think they're going to end higher uh, come come season's close here. Yeah, I mean, the one, the one thing I want to chime in on that is I do think the Jaguars' offense, you know, if I was their coach, that should be a team 
with, you know, let's say they have 65 to 70 plays a game offensively, they should be running it 40 times and passing it 25 to 30. You say with that. that defense. Yeah. Defense is great. And the defense so if you was get 40 great carries, last year. Yeah. So but, Fournette should get 20 to 25 totes. You give Yeldon some, you give Grant some. There sh- if you're co- if I was coaching them, that's the game plan. Yeah, but, but where did Bortles end last year as quarterback? Yeah, he he was top 10 guy. Four. Yeah. They used him last year and their defense was as good as it's going to get. It's not going to be better than it was last year. They had a lot of big plays. You got to think that comes down a little bit. A lot of big passing sure. plays. I just, Plus, I, he has those rushing statistics that help. I don't disagree that it's going to be a good offense, and you want a piece of that backfield. I think it'll field. be a good running offense and yeah. big play passing offense. I, I I don't disagree that you'd want a piece of that backfield, but I just think that's too high, as I think the ball's going to be spread out more than it was last year. Fair enough. Let's hit the wide receiver position. I'm going to go first, because I'm starting to really feel that shot, and I want to I want to get this out before, uh, before I get too dizzy to read my notes here. My guy finished... Last year as the wide receiver 101, which is really low. But get this. This year he's going as the wide receiver 11. How does the guy finish 101 last year and goes 11 this year? It's a lot of hype. The hype monster. The hype machine is real. Fucking powerful on this guy. Well, the reason is he only played five games last year. Josh Gordon is my bust. I've said it for weeks and weeks since we started this show. I do not like Josh Gordon this year, and the fucking fantasy world is absolutely just fucking balls deep, uh, like sitting, jumping, bouncing all over this guy's cock, which you have to imagine is just as wide as veins the rest popping. of his body. Just yeah, veins are popping on that thing. So, so <laughs> many steroids. Tiny balls. Anyway, Josh Gordon is my bust this year. Last year, he averaged just four receptions a game. You know how I feel about opportunity at the wide receiver position. You want a guy who gets a lot of catches. Yes, Josh Gordon is a deep downfield guy, but give me somebody like Jarvis Landry who touches the ball a ton more. You know who tied Josh Gordon with catches per game last year? That's Mohamed Sanu. Is anybody drafting Mohamed Sanu? No. I did in my dynasty league, but I did it in round like 22 for fuck's sake. Point number two, his catch rate last year? 42.9%. 42.9%. That was 90th among wide receivers in the league last year among all guys that had at least 40 targets. This wasn't even that anomalous because his career catch rate is 52%. Now, I know the obvious argument is here is he plays in Cleveland. He's never played with a good quarterback. Player profiler accounts for that. They've got the catchable catch rate recorded in here. 67% for Josh Gordon is the catchable ball catch rate. Balls that were within his grasp, did he catch them? Well, only 67% of the time, which is good enough for the 86th best wide receiver in this league. The next argument you might make is, hey, he's a downfield guy. He's a guy that catches deep fly balls. Those guys just catch the ball less. It's what happens. Let's compare him to just one other guy. Let's compare him to Will Fuller. Will Fuller was the closest guy in the league last year to Josh Gordon in depth of target. Will Fuller had an average of 15.9 yards depth per target compared to Josh Gordon's 15.7 yards depth per target. Well, we know Josh Gordon caught 43% of those passes. Will Fuller caught 56%. 
Will Fuller's catchable pass catch rate was 76%. So just as a baseline, 42 and 67 suck. The guy can't catch the fucking ball, which is a problem. He was top 13 in targets per game last year. He only played five games, so that number skewed a little bit. Out of the top 60 in that same statistical category, there were only three wide receivers that had less than 50% catch rate. That's Corey Coleman on the same team and Alshon Jeffrey. I don't like any of those guys. You can throw it to him all fucking day if you want to. If you can't catch it, don't give him to me. 43 targets last year is what he had in those five games. 43 is a good number. You know how many of those came in the red zone? Three. So for a big body guy... They don't throw it to him in the red zone. Shitty quarterback play. You say that, but he still can't catch the ball, uh, even when it's close to him. Three red zone opportunities out of 43 is an incredibly low number. I want to, If I'm looking at a wide receiver this high, I either want them to catch a lot of passes or I want them to catch a lot of touchdown passes, and it doesn't look like he does either of these things. Jarvis Landry comes into this team stepping into the slot. Fourth most targets in the league last year and a 70% catch rate. Give me that guy. Tyrod Taylor was 32nd in the league in air yard differential last year, which tells me this. He did not complete very many passes downfield. One argument you might say about Josh Gordon is that Tyrod Taylor throws the ball deep. He's got a beautiful deep ball. This stat says... He may have a beautiful deep ball, but it doesn't actually hit his receiver. It hits the ground more often than not. He completes a lot more short passes than anything else. In fact, Tyrod Taylor was 18th in average intended air yards last year, which means he didn't throw it downfield that often at all. He was 43.6% completion rate on passes 20 yards downfield or more. That's 19th in the league. So it may look really nice coming out of his hand, but again, it doesn't go to his guy. And he was 20th in the league in total 20-yard pass attempts last year. So he doesn't throw it downfield that often. When he does, he doesn't complete those passes that often. Uh, This is a a quarterback that's coming onto this team that doesn't love the deep ball, doesn't love the deep ball receiver. This is a deep ball receiver that doesn't catch the ball when he gets it. He certainly doesn't get any red zone looks. Why would I like him at all? I just spent 14 minutes talking about Josh Gordon. Wake me up from my fucking coma. Yeah, I'm going to cut most of that out. But my point is this. Josh Gordon's a fucking bum. Here's the biggest point is that everybody's jerking off over him and his ADP's out of this fucking world. So Jerking off hard. Even if he does have a good year, that as high as he's getting drafted, you're not getting any kind of value out of him. Like You're drafting him so high that he better put up fucking top 10 numbers or he's a fucking bust. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, you're just avoiding Josh Gordon this year. Can you please finish off this segment with your wide oh, I'll, receiver bust? I'll finish you off, buddy. No please, question. Yeah, it doesn't take much. Make it a good one, too. Just blow real hard, and I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My bust, <laughs> my bust this year for wide receiver is going to be the one and only Mike Evans. Mm. He's going to keep it real simple. You know, he's had his year where he finished top dog or close to it. I think last year he was only about 17 PPR. His ADP as a wide receiver this year is about the number nine wide receiver. Here's what I don't like about him. Got a tough schedule. The quarterback's going to be a little bit of a carousel this year. Ryan Fitzpatrick, we all know, is going to start the first couple weeks. And then Winston might be coming back as a starter. Uh, You know, the last thing that I wanted to talk about was his catch percentage. I know we bring that up a lot. And I'm not. I'm not huge on catch percentage. I think it does play a role. I think it's it goes up and down year to year. <clears throat> but uh, I, I do think it plays a role. So, again. For some guys, it goes up and yeah, down. Yeah. This is a statistic that, as a listener, you guys have to weigh how much this how much you're buying into catch percentage. You know, what does that mean to you? 
Is it going to steer you away from a guy? Is it going to steer you towards a guy? That's up to you. We're just feeding you the we're feeding you the bullshit. You eat it. All right. So <laughs> Mike Evans inside the twenty last season had nineteen targets. He only caught five of those. Oof. That's twenty six point three percent catch rate. All right. Let's move it in closer inside the ten. He was thrown to nine times. He caught one fucking pass inside the 10-yard line for a six-yard score. God, fuck, that's bad. On nine targets. Now, the nine targets is shit. It appears is like five, six, you know, that's a top 10 target guy inside the 10. So, you know, maybe that's a little bit of a confidence boost. Oh, shit, he's getting a top 10 targets in the red zone. But he catches one. You know, what does that tell you? Is he, can he not get open in tight spaces? Are they doubling them? They got poor quarterback accuracy? I don't know. Does it scare you? Does it say, hey, that's a good sign. Targets in the red zone, you know, are, are up there. But to me, I don't, I'm not a big believer in Mike Evans. He's a big body guy. You know, NFL receivers just, it seems to be the quicker, faster guys are just moving up in the world. Your Antonio Browns, your Odell Brandon Beckham's, Cooks. your Brandon Cooks. Uh, I mean, Keenan Allen's a hell of a route runner. Michael Thomas, he's a pretty big guy, but he's not a Mike Evans type. You know, he mm. can run some routes. I don't know. I'm not a big believer in Mike Evans. So, listeners, that's my wide receiver bust for this year. That's my favorite bust that you said all all night. Thank you. That's a great option. I, I, I probably would have chosen him if Josh Gordon wasn't available for me. All right, fuckers, look, that, those are our busts. That was fun. Took uh, two weeks to get to it. But don't draft those guys. They're not worth where they're going. Believe all things we say. If you want more beautiful statistical breakdowns, follow us on Twitter at DweezNuts, all Z's, no S's, or you can find the Bullfrog at YFF, the Bullfrog. Please go follow him. I believe he's got two followers. Three? Right now? Uh, two. We need to get that number up over 200 by next week oh, or he's shit. fired. Easy as that. All right, bitches. Go uh, fuck off and do something because we, uh, we're done. Thank you for listening to another episode of Your Football Fantasy. Do us a favor by subscribing on Apple Podcasts. Like, follow, and share our Facebook page. And leave reviews everywhere to let people know just how much you love us. We'll see you back next week to make more of your fantasies come true.